The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Turn with me to Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2. It's one of the minor prophets towards the end of the Old Testament if you're pulling up your Bible. Today we're finishing up our series on faith where we've been discovering how to live the life of faith. Now, one of the things I wish that once you became a follower of Jesus Christ, that you instantly understood just how to live the life of faith, that you just almost had no choice. You'd get on autopilot and go, okay, I'm living the life of faith. I'm just walking in the life of faith. But we have to learn how to live the life of faith because when we give our lives to Christ, our spirit man, we are three parts, your body, soul, and spirit, and your spirit man instantly becomes saved. You become a child of God. You're a child of the Most High God. It's a settled deal. You are a child of God. But our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, there's a process that we're going through. There's some things that we used to do that we need to stop doing. There's some wrong things that we did that God's teaching us how to live the life of faith so that we can walk in all that God has for us. So we're learning how to live the life of faith. We're learning how to get the promises that we find in the Word of God out of the Word of God operating in our lives because there's a part that we play in the life of faith there's a part that we play in seeing the promises of faith come alive in our lives so now that we've been made right with God we want to learn how to access in an abundant way the grace that God has provided for us look at Romans 5 stay there in Habakkuk 2 if you would but in Romans 5 it'll be up on the screen it says this therefore having been justified by faith how were you made righteous By faith, you simply opened up your heart and said, God, I choose to believe in you. We have peace with God. Where there was tension before, you now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom, talking about Jesus Christ, also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So because of Jesus Christ, by faith, we have access into the grace. So faith becomes the doorway that we have access into the grace that you're already standing in. When you became a child of God, there's a level of God's grace and favor on your life that, man, you can't help it, but God's wanting to bless you. God's wanting to do things in your life, and there are things that God is blessing you, and God is doing things in your life. But to access the, the full, abundant element of God's grace, it's by faith. Are you all seeing that? It's the doorway that we get into it, and we rejoice in hope. What's hope that we've been talking about? A confident expectation of good. When you have a confident expectation that God wants to do some good things in your life, you rejoice. Yeah, God, I don't know what's going on, but God, I thank you, God, that you're going to work this out. God, I didn't get that promotion, but God, I thank you that you're working it out. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Listen, God doing amazing things in your life brings glory to God. God doing supernatural things in your life that your coworkers, your neighbors, and your friends step back and go, how did that happen to you? Now, why on earth did that happen to you? Let me just tell you, it's all because of the goodness of God. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. God receives glory every time that you're blessed. Listen, he, he, we got to understand that God desires to bless us and embrace the fact that God wants to bless us. So the access that God has created for us into God's grace is by faith. And again, notice that you're already standing in it. 
So if you're here today as a child of God, you're already standing in it, in this grace that God has provided for you. It's already there, already provided, and you're enjoying, again, some level of it. But again, there's an activity that we have in our part. It's not a work. This is, this is the challenge that comes to us as followers of Jesus Christ, is that we can take an activity of a walking out something God has already done for us and turn it into a work. Reading the word of God. There's nothing more uh, precious to us as children of God than the word of God. That's God's word to us, his love letter to us. And yet we can take something as wonderful of that and make it into a work. Well, I got to get up this morning. I don't really want to, but I got to get up and get into the word of God. I have to wait on my workout. I'm going to have to wait on reading the paper because I got to get into the word of God. We can make it into a work. So we understand now that there's an activity involved, but we can't allow the activity to become a work. Does that make sense? A work is self-effort. God, I'm doing this so that you'll do something for me. No, God's already done something for me. So because God's already done something for me, I want to walk in what God has already done for me. There's some activity that takes place in our lives. So it's accessed by faith into the grace. That, that word grace means unmerited favor, unearned favor that you're already standing in. So the more we learn to access by faith the grace that we're already standing in, the more the abundance of grace continues to show up in our lives. Now, listen, just so you know, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven. Awesome. Heaven will be wonderful, walking on streets of gold. Dallas Cowboys will always win. Heaven is going to be amazing when we get there. Right? Heaven is going to be amazing when we get there. But we can actually have a little slice of heaven here on earth. The abundant life that God has for you. So we access it how? By faith, into the grace that we're already standing in. So the results of the life of faith are incredible. Listen, God wants to do in our lives, supernatural things. And what that means is that when you're trying to deal with a problem at work, God can give you incredible ideas to solve a problem that people go, wow, how did you figure that out? We get an advantage over the rest of the world. The world can only work in their finite understanding. And we're, you, everyone here today, you guys are incredibly smart. You are. You're, you're amazing. You're made in the image of God. But listen, you don't get to just tap into the natural ability that you have. You get to tap into the supernatural ability of the life of faith. So the results of the life of faith are incredible. And the reason why we choose to live the life of faith is because our loving, kind, and heavenly Father says, this is how we are to live, by faith. Let's look at it in Habakkuk 2. It says, Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just, who's the just? Those that have been declared righteous, shall live by his faith. Habakkuk 2 in the Amplified says this, look at the proud. His soul is not straight or right within him, but the rigidly just and the uncompromisingly righteous man shall live by his faith and in his faithfulness. Notice that the righteous man shall live by faith and in his faithfulness, our faith. Faithfulness plays a part in seeing the abundance of God's grace showing up in our lives in incredible ways. Proverbs 28 says this, that a faithful man will abound with blessing. A faithful man, a man who is faithful will abound with blessing. So what we're discovering is that now that we have become righteous, who are the righteous? We are children of God. That's again what happened the day that you gave your life to Christ. We are to live our lives by faith. But too many Christians don't understand how Christians 
are to live. We get in Christ, we become a follower of Jesus Christ, but we don't move on and learn how to live by faith. Still going to heaven, but sometimes for some Christians, they're going to live on hell on earth until they get to heaven. So too many Christians are not understanding how to live the life of faith. Somewhere we bought into the lie that the Bible, the word of God, is just a book for fanatics. Now this is culturally what is being preached to you all the time now. You know, you Bible thumpers are just nothing but a bunch of fanatics, right? That it's old, that it's outdated, that it's antiquated, that it doesn't apply to our lives today. And so many brand new Christians don't understand how to live the life of faith. Why? Because they don't get into the word of God. They don't get into the Word of God, and the Word of God doesn't get into them. They, they come so sporadically in church that they don't understand all of the different building blocks of understanding how to live the life of faith. When we get so connected and fall in love with Jesus, we can't help but want to be with Jesus and with his bride. Amen. Okay, I'm meddling a little bit here. So we're to live by faith. That's what we've been talking about. Now, here's one, one of the main reasons why a lot of Christians don't live the life of faith. It's because they don't have revelation or they have a limited revelation about the love of God. When they, when they think of the Word of God, there's, there's not really the foundation because the love of God is the foundation for your faith. The love of God, understanding how much God loves you is the foundation for your faith. Galatians 5 says this, but faith working through love. Faith is working through love. So in order for your faith to work in your life, it's going to have to work by love. It doesn't work by disappointment. It doesn't work by God, thinking that God is manipulating you. It works by love. Because if you don't believe that God loves you, you won't believe his word. So this is the foundational area, the love of God. It's one of the reasons why I love to talk about the love of God. Sometimes when we hear this, we're kind of like, okay, Pastor Richie, you've already talked to us about that. We already get it. I promise you, we don't fully get that yet. I'm not trying to act like you guys can't grasp a hold, but I'm telling you, this, I read this all the time, I study on this kind of stuff all the time, and I still don't fully grasp the love of God. In fact, if we were ever to say to God, God, download all the revelation in my mind about who you are, there would be an instant explosion, and we would be all over the place. Because it is so huge how wonderful and amazing God's love is. God loves us perfectly and this is where the enemy will attack you all the time he'll say things like god doesn't love you now that you've done this now that you said this now that you've done that thing god doesn't love you and when he attacks you not if he attacks you but when he attacks you this is what you need to understand that god loves you who am i talking to today you you, 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 and everyone else I didn't point at. God loves you today. You need to understand that when the enemy attacks you. And because he loves you, he died for you so that you could be righteous. So when the enemy, enemy's accusation comes against you, that's when you need to say, when he's saying, how can you say God loves you? You say, because I'm in him. See, when you invited Jesus Christ into your heart and life, you actually stepped into him. And you're now covered by him. And since the Father loves Jesus Christ, I know that he loves me. Right? And so the confidence that you have in God's love for you will release strong faith. When I believe and know that God loves me, I want to live my life according to the word of God. 
How do I develop faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So the root of real Bible faith is faith in the love of God. Let me say that again. The root of real Bible faith is faith in the love of God. You show me a person that struggles in this area of faith and I'll show you someone who doubts the perfect and unconditional love of God for them. And I say perfect and unconditional love of God for you because his love for you is perfect. It's perfect. He doesn't miss the mark in the way that he loves you. It's unconditional. It's not based on your performance, what you do, what you don't do. He loves you unconditionally today because too often what we think about God's love is the way that other people in our lives have loved us. So what that means is if you had a, even a stern parent or a stern authority figure in your life and you thought that they loved you when they were being mean to you because it was for your own good, we equate that's how God is loving us. And we have to understand that while people in our lives may be able to love us well, I'm fortunate to have had some people that did a great job of loving me, their love does not even compare with the love of God. So anytime you see someone struggling in this area of faith, the root issue is the revelation of God's love. Somewhere along the way, someone communicated to them something wrong about the love of God. Something is wrong in their understanding of how they are standing before God. See, if you question whether or not you have a right standing with God, if as you're standing before God, you're, you see God looking at you, what do you picture in your mind of how he's looking at you? Is it a, is it a smile? These eyes of joy, of so, excitement, of so much excitement that his heart is connecting with yours? Or do you see him looking at you with eyes of disappointment? See, God's not ever disappointed with you because to be disappointed with you, you would have to miss an appointment. But yet, before the foundation of the world, he knew everything that you were going to do right and wrong. So nothing ever surprises him. So God, how are you standing before God today? Your faith is going to be affected by that. If you're always wondering, how am I standing before God? If you're always commenting, look what I did, look what I didn't do. All those questions are going to attack your faith and you're going to be questioning Again, the love of God for you. They'll produce doubt, and doubt is an enemy to your faith. So you have to understand today that you are God's favorite one. Every one of you here today, you're God's favorite one. You say, Pastor Richie, how can you say that? You understand that God is omnipresent, right? God's not like me. You know, I can't carry on more than one conversation. I, I struggle just carrying on one conversation sometimes. And God can carry on multiple conversations. When he's connected with me, his favorite one, he's also connected with you, his favorite one. So anytime that we're recognizing that we're God's favorite one, it gives us confidence to know I'm God's favorite one. And we start declaring that over our lives. That's what the Apostle Paul did, or the Apostle John did. Remember when he would say, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves? You know, I've shared this before, but I used to think that that was just something Jesus said over him, but it's what he said over himself. All he was doing is just practicing the understanding that God loves me perfectly. That means that when you walk out, you need to say, I'm the child of God that Jesus loves. You walk out through your day, go, man, I'm the child of God whom Jesus loves. I'm the child of God whom Jesus loves. Because Jesus loves you today perfectly and unconditionally. So understanding that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus Grabbing a hold of that, holding on to that, even when the enemy is attacking that, is incredibly important to your faith. 
If you don't remain righteousness conscious, you will become sin conscious. And you will always doubt God's love for you. So you're going to have to, if you're going to operate in the life of faith, you have to settle it right now. I'm right with God. You, You just simply have to, by faith, say, I'm right with God. In fact, let's say that out loud. I'm right with God. Try it again. I'm right with God. Say it just a little bit louder. I'm right with God. Say it like you mean it. I'm right with God. Make it like a declaration. I'm right with God. You are right with God. So every time the attack of the enemy comes and he wants to get you off the understanding that you're righteous, you need to declare over your life, I'm right with God. In fact, let's try it again. I'm right with God. I'm right with God. Right in the middle of you making a mistake, stand back up. I'm right with God. In the middle of a difficult situation, a storm in your life, you're trying to figure out how God's going to work it out. I'm right with God. And since I'm right with God, I know that God's watching over me, that he's loving me. And this storm that I'm going through, I am going to get to the other side. I am going to be victorious. I am going to be an overcomer because I'm right with God. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. How can you say that when I did what I did last night? Some of you, it was the night before on Friday night. How can I say that? See, you, how can you know that you're right with God even when you fail? Because you're in Him. When God the Father looks at you, He looks at you hidden in Jesus. So is Christ right with God? Is He always going to be right with God? So as long as you're in Him, are you going to be right with God? See, we got to move away from trying to be justified, made right with God by our own works, by our own behavior. Because if you do, you will live the schizophrenic Christian life, right? I'm righteous because, man, I read my Bible today. I'm doing pretty good. Boom. Said that thing to my wife I shouldn't have said. Oh, God, I'm not right with you anymore. You are right with God simply because of what? Quit trying to earn a right relationship with God. It's already been provided for you. There's nothing that you can do to earn this position with God. The only way that you and I are in right standing with God is because of Jesus, period. We just chose to get in him and he chose to receive us into him. You're, you're, you're in him today. Thank you, Jesus, right? He's, he's right with God and as long as he's all right with God, he, which will be forever, you're going to be right with God. Now, if you're going to operate in faith, this is something that you have to be convinced of. It's something that you have to get settled. You can't allow yourself to doubt your position with God, where you felt like you don't qualify for God's blessings anymore. Let me ask you this. How many of you ever felt like you let God down? I'll cast a lying demon out of the rest of you in just a few minutes, but how many of you have ever felt like you let God down? Probably all of us, right? Do you remember what that did to your confidence about the blessings of God? You felt like, man, I, I said that again. I said I wouldn't, and God, I know that I'm not qualified. I, and, and for three or four days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, sometimes years, we think that we're not qualified because of what God has done. See, we confuse who we are, our position with God, with our action and behaviors, what we did all the time. See, we think that when we fail, again, that God is disappointed with us, that he's angry with us, or even that he hates us, that God hates us. So we end up not possessing the promises that Jesus died and able for you and I to possess. This is what happened to the children of Israel. When they were about ready to go in and possess the promised land, they doubted God's promises. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, it says this, 
Nevertheless, you would not go up. They didn't go in and possess the land, but you rebelled against the command of your God. Now, what would cause someone to keep from possessing the promises of God? Verse 27 says, and you complained in your tents. They began grumbling. Listen, when we are faced with a challenge, that is the time more than any other time we need to declare the promise, not the problem. They're grumbling in their tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. See, they believed that God hated them. And because of that, he brought them up out of Egypt so the Amorites could destroy them. Now, couldn't he have left them in Egypt where they were already being destroyed? They'd been under slavery. Somewhere along the line, some, something somehow was planted in their mind that God hated them. Now, if you believe that God hates you, why in the world would you believe any of the promises that he's made for you? You don't believe that someone who hates you is actually going to do a promise for your good, do you? Why? Because they hate you. So in your mind, you're thinking, why would someone who hates me want to do good for me? You have to understand that God does not hate you. In your worst moments, God doesn't hate you. At your worst moment in the past... God never hated you. God always is wanting to do something good for me. We have to understand that. God does not hate us even when we sin. See, he's, he's hurt for us. He hates it when we miss the mark because when we miss the mark, it damages us. It affects people in our lives, but he still loves us. And until you settle it with confidence, I know that God loves me. I know that God loves me. I know in my knower, I know, I know, I know that God loves me. You'll never have confidence to step out and start operating in faith. But once you begin to understand that you are the righteous, you're trying to figure out, okay, God, how do I step out in faith? What is it that I'm going to walk in today? So what's the foundation for being confident about the promise of God coming to pass in your life? The love of God. So what is the area that Satan is going to attack you in? He's going to attack you in your confidence about God's love for you. He's got to get you to believe that God does not love you, and that he hates you for something that you did or something that you didn't do. Now the antidote to any attack of the enemy is trying to get you to believe that God hates you is the righteousness of God. The way that you combat when the enemy's trying to get you to believe that God hates you is the understanding that you are the righteousness of God. We are in Christ. Christ has already fought the battle, won, obtained the victory, died, rose again to secure the victory. Because I'm in Christ, I'm with him. I didn't qualify by myself, but thank God Jesus qualified me. So now, because I'm in Christ, I qualify for everything that Christ died to qualify me for. Because I'm in him. Because I'm in Christ. He championed over death, hell, and the grave. I'm part of his championship team. You know, the NBA finals are going on right now. And whether you're a Cleveland Cavalier fan or a Golden State Warrior fan, one of those teams are going to become the champion. And there are people that are on those teams that ride the bench and they don't hardly ever get to play if they play at all. But if they win, they're on the championship team. So even though you and I didn't do something because we're on the championship team, we're champions. We get the championship ring. Amen. Why? Because we're in Christ. So that makes us, again, champions. So everything I do, I can do with confidence because I'm in Christ. See, I'm more than a conqueror because I'm in Christ. I'm completely forgiven and guiltless because I'm in Christ. 
So the fact that I'm in Christ is how the Father sees me. Even though I am a work in progress, as we all are, I'm still safe and hidden in Christ. We still have a hard time believing this, and we keep thinking, oh, if I could just do a little bit better. Now, is there anything wrong with wanting to do better? Absolutely not. But it is when it attacks our confidence in who we are in Christ Jesus. We think if I could just do a little bit better, that God would love me more. God cannot love you more than he does right now. And as long as I keep thinking that God's love for me is about my behavior, it's always going to question the love that God has for me. It's built on the wrong foundation. And as long as we are questioning God's perfect love for us, we will still be challenged to living the life of faith. You have to know that every promise and blessing that we find in the word of God is made available to you simply because God loves you. And when you get this revelation that God loves you, your faith becomes strong and it's stable because again, it's built on the right foundation. And because God loves you, you know that you won't be defeated by lack. Because God loves you, you know that by his stripes you're healed. Because you know that God loves you, you know that every promise that you find in the word of God is true because he loves you. You know that when people love you, you have confidence that they are going to do what it is they said they were going to do. Right? Why? Because they love you. Now, this is a question that we've been looking at throughout this series. Why does it seem like some Christians are living more of the abundant life more than other Christians. And this is where we began. Because God is a respecter of faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him, we must believe that he exists. It means that we understand he's love, that he's good, that he's kind and gentle. And he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. We're living the life of faith. So why is it that some Christians are operating more than other Christians? Because God is a respecter of faith. Faith is how we operate in the kingdom of God. Because we have a covenant relationship with God, we can go boldly to God and declare what his promise says and say, thank you, God, for what it is you're going to do. I don't have to beg him to do what he promises me, but I can thank him for what it is he says he's going to do in my life because they are God's promises. Let me say that again in case you didn't catch that. They are God's promises. And God is not a man that he should lie, the Bible says. They're God's promises. Listen, we know we didn't qualify by our own behavior, but we know we became qualified. Why? Because we're in Christ. If you're in Christ today, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's that confident expectation of good that to become what the Bible says, we become fully persuaded. Just so you know, this is a process in our life. And the more that you start living the life of faith, the more fully persuaded you will become Till you'll reach a point where things are going on in your life and you don't care. You're fully persuaded. This is what the Word of God says. This is what the situation says. I'm not believing that. I'm fully persuaded. This is what the Word of God says. I know God loves me. I know He's for me. And this is what's going to come about. And if it doesn't come about, then I know that God's working something else in my life. Because sometimes we want some things like a promotion or to marry somebody. Right? That, that God's going, no, 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 no. That's not the right thing for you. We know that God loves us, so we're faithful to continue to walk in what God has for us. We become fully persuaded. And since we're fully persuaded, we know how to operate in the kingdom of God. And we're saying, God, how do people operate in the kingdom of God? Well, we've, we've been reading it, that the just or the righteous shall live how? So how are you and I to live? How are we to operate as we go about our daily lives? How are we to go when we're believing God for promises that we're not yet seeing? 
by faith, by faith, by faith all the time. We have to settle this issue about God's love. We have to settle this issue about our right standing with him. Whatever you did in your past that's questioning the love of God for your life, you've got to settle it. God loves you. God loves you perfectly, and you are in right standing with him. So whether you're walking in the promise or you're about ready to walk into the promise, the promise will come to pass because God's promises are sure. Because he loves me, we trust his promises. So we have a confident expectation of good. Why? Simply because God loves us. It, that's the foundational issue. Now, I can go to the word of God and get the word of God to stand upon, but the foundational issue is God loves me. So I can rest confidently in that. Will you receive that today? This has been a presentation of Emerald Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information,